There was some friction. My side check was polka dot for a while. I was extremely stressed about, about these like mm -hmm. offline offenses when I started out. We need to work together instead of getting too centralized. The validator mafia, yes. Yeah, they need to like hire like security just to get there because it's kind of like dangerous and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like... What about the actual incentives? Is it possible to make a living doing this? Space monkeys blasting off with the validators of Polka Dot, Tuki from Amfork, Paradox from Paranodes, and Lucky Friday, Kukabi from the IBP and Helicon. And finally, we have Will, the master of validators, here with us to give us the full story of what's happening behind the scenes of Polka Dot. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, thanks very much for being here. Yeah. So you guys live a life that's a little different than a lot of the people who interact and use the network. What you do is make sure the network runs and makes high quality blocks. Yeah, oh yeah. What goes on in the mind of somebody when they're deciding to embark on this journey of being a validator for any blockchain network? What does it take? Essentially, I started off by trying to complement my technical skills with staking right, or securing the network, right? Uh -huh. um, I did not exactly know what I was getting myself into from a lifestyle perspective, Okay. right? So, okay, I'm gonna run this application. Um, I'm going to be active on these days, you know, um, I'm gonna see blocks generating. This was before Parachains um, came out. The journey from, I would say, perhaps a naive or maybe uninformed beginning to, to now. Now it's like 24-7 call, um, always monitoring things, always um, trying to make sure things are working properly, um, improving the time of reaction for things. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it has been like a, you know, a big lifestyle change. But initially it was purely to combine technical and, um, you know, just to do something beyond staking, to use what I know. Okay, because you were already staking, you thought, well, yeah. man, I could just uh, cut out the middleman here and go. Something like yeah, that. Right something like that. That's don't, good. Don't cut out the middleman, right? That's okay. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. But if you don't have what yeah. you have, yeah, yeah gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. How about you, Tugi? Yeah, I mean, my background is uh, IT infrastructure and infrastructure security. So when I got to crypto, the whole validated infrastructure thing was like a given. Cool. And I think like to run validators, you have to be really detail-oriented and picky about stuff because little mistake or misconfiguration can have huge consequences and sure. people, in the end, people trust you potentially millions of dollars worth of tokens, so you have to be picky and detail-oriented. Okay. For me, I'm com I study computer science and I'm coming from a software development background. Hmm. Um, so I found out about uh, the 1KV program, 1000 yeah. Villages program, and I also wanted to get somehow involved with the network and it was a great entry point for me to start running a validator under 1kv yeah uh, because it uh, it guarantees you some active time so you can produce blocks and um, once you start doing that the uh, the that initial fun of being able to contribute contribute to the network by producing blocks is amazing feeling and then I started um, noticing spots for possible tooling and then I started like introducing my software development abilities to to the picture, and right. after a while it just became full time. I wasn't expecting it, but I think we're, we're going to talk about lifestyle changes. 
Will, you're not running validators anymore. I mean, uh, I, I do here and there, just like helping out with some things. But okay. like, um, I mean, for me, just like my background of stuff was just kind of like doing a lot of like software development stuff. Uh, I really like kind of just like the whole, um, I don't know, like producty side of things, you know, just like making things that people actually like use and stuff. But mm. I also really like just kind of like the aspect of just like um, ecosystem stuff and like community of people and that kind of thing. And so it's just like, for me, it's just like really fulfilling to be able to just kind of like see a, a cool community of people such as yourselves to be able to just like, you know, it's like this infrastructure is like so critical to like all these things that a bunch of other developers are building and stuff. And so it's like being able to just like help support kind of like uh, this broader like Web3 thing of just like being able to actually like run the cool things that people are building and stuff. Like to me, that's really cool. And how did you go from there to becoming, you know, with this title Master of Validators? Um, so, yeah, it, it's funny. I actually, I went through, through a bunch of different phases of working on things in crypto. It's like the thing I was working on immediately before this was working at Binance, funnily enough. And so okay. I was like uh, working on a like, uh, yeah, I was just doing kind of just like quality things and some other stuff. And uh, that just so happened to like, work on like staking features and talking to validators and stuff. And so uh, that kind of like brought me down this rabbit hole of like, oh, staking is really cool. It's like, uh, kind of want to dig deeper into this and so. Fascinating. Uh, do you think the rest of the validator community accepts you as their master? <laughs> I don't know, it's up to, it's up to you guys to be honest. <laughs> yeah, before, um, every, every time I send a DM, I'm like, Hey boss, validators, <laughs> right? right. And, and then the message. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. But decentralized from that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, uh, everything beyond that. <laughs> decentralized, good. I'm the decentralized daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about lifestyle changes. That was a really interesting point that came up. So before, you know, full night sleeps, no worries on your mind. What, what's life like now? Um, well, I, I guess it may be different for each of us, right? But um, my, I also came from a software development background. Oh uh, yeah. So infrastructure, I had a more um, managerial role at one point in time. Right, um, so more oversight into building processes, um, building um, systems to support high availability. Right, mm. I have a Windows background. Right, so this is now Linux background. So I had to ramp up. Right, so I know what needed to be done. I just needed to figure out how to execute it. So there was a learning curve. Yeah. Right. I, I think I shortened that curve pretty well. But um, in the earlys, during the implementation stage, you know, there was always, okay, did I produce a block? Did I not produce a block? Um, and, uh, you know, that will always be on my mind that I will be glued to the computer. Ah, uh, yeah. Vacation time right. with my wife. I, you know, hey, let's, let's get a coffee. Open laptop, check. Okay, everything's looking good, you oh, know? Oh, man, yeah, And sure. she, she was frustrated. She's like, are you looking at that polka dot thing again? Babe, you don't understand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, there was some friction. My sure. my outside, uh, my side chick was polka dot for a while, <laughs> right? So, yeah, there was some um, frustration on that personal side of things. Um, as time went by and more systems were implemented, I felt a little more comfortable that if there was an issue, I would be alerted. Right? Okay. And I can probably be alerted right now, so let's hope that's not the case. Uh -huh. And uh, um, as things progressed a bit more, I hired staff. And um, that allowed me to not be the first person on call. So if there are any issues, guys will check it out, they will send a message, hey, um, we got this alert, everything is okay, or we took this affirmative action, or there's an escalation strategy. Hmm. So with all those things in place, I can get some time for myself, but it wasn't an immediate thing. It took like well over a year gotcha. for me to get there. Okay. Yeah, and my wife is happier. We have gone on many vacations and I still do check, 
but I keep it for the evenings, uh -huh. right? And I have an arrangement that if there is an issue that's escalated to me, that I can take it without being, um, there's a term we use, buff, but um, uh, like that's a Caribbean term, but you may know it as um, scold, scolded. Uh, okay, yes, okay, so with your wife scolded. you have an agreement. Yes, yes. Okay, so okay. It's, it's, it's better. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, when she's not around, it's one of my screens is dedicated to like Grafana and stuff like that. Is so it? I'm working here and I turn left and I can take a look at everything. It's a pretty relatable experience. Or? Yeah, yeah. So you start out by monitoring 24-7 and over time it becomes management by exception? More like. yeah, so you just something. respond to escalated issues, right? Um, in my case, yes, but I still do have the guys, you know, every hour make sure and check your Grafana. You never know what can pop up if, if the alerting is not working, you know, you never know. These systems that you guys implement, uh, you're not all building them independently. You're, you're sharing with each other and or is it a bit of a rate? Is it a bit of a competition as well? I think part of it is shared and part of it's yeah. like it's uh, different, different to everyone, I guess. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff is also given like by parody on the foundation. There's like a Web3 foundation repo. There's a monitoring to like a mm -hmm. extension to monitor on-chain metrics. Like it's a validator producing blocks are getting finalized. Yeah. It just said uh, I'm online message in, the, in case you didn't uh, generate a block that session. And yeah, yeah. there's also like a great tool from TurboFlakes to monitor like uh, to miss blocks. Mm -hmm. So I've always found that um, I think all of we are all members of the 1KV. That um, environment is very supportive. Yeah. Right. Um, so I would say, like, my tooling is not like a copy paste, but it builds on things that I would um, ask in the channel, or someone generated a tool that I can say, hey, that's a good feature. I'm going to put that into my monitoring stack. And um, when I first started, I had like a million questions, right? And, a mil and Will had like a million answers, right? And um, as time went by, I tried to give that back to the community. And um, we also have like nice tools like Sub, sub, sub VT, VT, right? You know, uh, mobile apps. And, and um, Tugi is, is a good guy that you can always say, hey, um, what's that endpoint for monitoring this, that, and the other? And he's going to be like, it's that, you know? I don't feel like there's competition when it comes to um, knowledge, like, you know. It's like we have a healthy competition, like we're all competing among, uh, for a scare amount of resources, yeah. but still it's, uh, we're working together and like, we need to work together yeah. to, for it to make work instead of getting too centralized. And regarding competition, I think we all have different edges uh, that we specialize in, even mm. like software developers, we we are developing software, but we do sort of like different things. Um, so I think the competition, like you said, it's more like supporting each other in like fulfilling our, like realizing themselves, ourselves even. Yeah. I think uh, so. Uh, you have to get better over time, of course. There's of course. a pressure, but then it's it's not. You don't get stressed out or. Yeah. Actually, so maybe you guys can fill us in a bit. Like, what can actually go wrong here? Or, or do you have any stories about? So for, for me, it's well. interesting about kind of just like things of being like all call, on call, like that kind of stuff. Because yeah. it's like I'm sort of like on call for like the Polkadot network itself. It's like, <laughs> oh my like, god! I'm, I'm like kind yeah. of the person that like. If ever there's like things where it's like, oh, it's like block times are slower. It's kind of like uh, things where it's like, oh, it's like checking the health of like the Polkadot network itself and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's like whenever there's kind of like a big disastrous instance of stuff where it's like, oh, we shipped like a new release and there's like a bug here and stuff oh, like yeah. that. It's kind of like uh, I have to do a bunch of things of just like, you know, like herding cats, like trying to get a bunch of people to, you know, one, like diagnose like what, what actually is here, like what went wrong, stuff like that. 
um, trying to figure out where it's like, okay, is this, does this last release? Does, does this have that problem? Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I was like working with like core developers, but then working also with like the community to find out a bunch of things like that. And so I remember there was like one time in particular. It was like um, I think for like Polkadot, it was something along the lines of it's like the so there's this like fragment election thing that determines like who uh, going to be the next validator set. And so at one point, I think like the computation for this was like too much or something like that. And so it just kind of like um, stalled things for like a little bit. There was this like one or two hour window where it's like if people didn't do something, like they would get slashed. And so I was at like a friend's um, just like rooftop like party thing. And so I'm just like in the corner, just like uh, frantically messaging people, or just like, hey, it's like you guys need to like roll back a version and stuff like that. Literally just like uh, messaging like a million people about stuff, trying to uh, figure things out and that kind of thing. And so. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting just to be able to, you know, one, just like learn from like all the, okay, like what went wrong and stuff like that. Um, but also just two, you know, it's kind of like uh, try and fix things on like a network wide kind of status. And so sure, sure. That's, that's fun. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. I think, um, I think over time you get, um, you find out that you can rely on the network as well. So an offline offense is when the validator is offline for a time period, let's say, to simplify it. And then I would be extremely like stressed out about being offline, but over time you kind of not notice that like this is the power of decentralization. You can be offline for a bit, yeah. and it's, it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone because mm. like if, if it's only you, and say a few more validators, then it's fine because the other validators have your back. Yeah, less uh, than ten percent, yeah. but you should still be prepared for the case where more than ten yeah. percent is offline. It happened usually yeah. it's caused by a bug, <clears throat> right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, what I'm I'm saying um, like I'm not as like I was extremely stressed about about these like mm -hmm. offline offenses when I started out. Yeah. Now I know that like I'm I'm covered if if it's just me and a few more guys. But of course it doesn't mean like you yeah. you still have the security measures and everything sure, in place. Sure. But I I like that point because um, I'm, I suppose that there would be some would be validators looking at this um, episode, right? Mm. Um, one of the things that many people are concerned about, and I I agree that with Tubi that you know we high availability we should try to keep it down. Right, but there are instances where, let's say, that does not happen. You don't get slashed if you're one validator and you're offline, right? That it has to be a percentage of the network, and that's ten percent, oh, right? So okay. it's it's you plus you amongst ten percent. Interesting. And, and okay. And then the know. slash the slash also has a gradient, ah, right? The more who are off, the yeah. more slash. Yes, up to a cap. Okay. So there, there's a curve to that as well. Not only in governance, we have curves. We have curves otherwhere. Curves everywhere, Other, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. The idea is that we don't want to be offline, but it's a decentralized network that allows a tolerance. Yeah. Okay, a okay. Tolerance. Yeah, I think I've seen this especially with a lot of people, uh, just like new people joining the space where they're just kind of like beginners. They want to like run a validator, stuff like that. Um, it's actually kind of like there's a lot of like room to mess up and stuff like that. Um, yeah, exactly. And so especially like that's why it's kind of like good for people to start on Kusama. And so it's kind of like there is a, yeah, it's like a lot of room just to kind of like play around, see kind of like okay, does this like monitoring stack work well? It's like people that aren't even maybe super familiar with like Linux or just like servers and that kind of thing. I would say it's like actually fairly accessible to be able to like start doing things, um, be able to like do it well, maintain good like uptime and stuff like that. Like you can kind of like learn as you go, is what I mean. Like it's, um, yeah, gotcha. But a lot of new people ignore like the monitoring part. It's like yeah. one of the mm -hmm. most important, like most important. monitoring, monitoring, monitoring. It's like monitor the host itself, monitor the application, the process. Like in this case, the validator, and then towards on-chain monitoring. Are your blogs getting finalized? Do you have a missed amount of blogs? Do you call disputes and that stuff like? 
if you have that in place and the proper alerting pipeline, you can prevent so much stuff or be ahead of things. I do see two things being very valuable. One, you need to know that there's an issue, and that's where alerting could come in. But you also need experience to know what to do yeah. in the event. So <laughs> something happened, ah. how do I fix it? Sure. Right? That comes with time. Um, or it can be some previous experience with blockchain itself. This is something, it could be specific. It could be something that's, you know, like a regular sysops thing, oh, the machine's offline, uh, I need to I know, change RAM, or the disk is bad, I need to change the RAID array or something. But it could also be something specific to blockchain. So you need to build that experience. If you don't, if you don't know, you need to know who can I ask to right. help me out. Right, and uh, we have avenues for that. I think the ecosystem does an excellent job in terms of helping um, people diagnose problems and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. People also need to think about those potential problems or like prepare before it happens. Like always have a plan B and don't yes. trust it because shit will go south and like you need to know what to do when that happens. Like you can prepare out of automation scripts or Terraform mm -hmm. uh, plans for it. Like. Okay, just simple stuff like, what do I do if the hardware fails? Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to provision a VM somewhere at a cloud provider for, for failover or, yeah, yeah, I need to quickly downgrade, like have the Ansible playbooks already where you just change a variable and then you can quickly downgrade multiple validators at once. And right, in the Web2 world, we'll do things like uh, disaster recovery plans and um, we would have playbooks, not necessarily like Ansible playbooks for those tech guys, but you know, this is what you can do if this happens. Okay, so that didn't work. What's the next step? Yeah. Yeah, so sure. that documentation, and um, I've found that sometimes even though you have the documentation, you need to keep it up to date sometimes, uh -huh. and you need to run it through. Right. Do some tests. But it's like, okay. those things are helpful, especially when it's kind of like, oh, it's like 3 a.m. and I get woken up by my phone, and it's kind of like you're like sleepy, you're tired, it's like your brain isn't actually kind of like working and stuff like that. So it's useful just to have this thing where it's just kind of like, okay, I, I see, have seen this problem before, this is kind of like some of the steps to kind of, mm -hmm to do it to just fix things and stuff like that. Sure. You don't have to actually spend your last two brain cells thinking of like, oh, how do I fix this kind of thing. I was just thinking when you guys were speaking earlier, like what if you're like drunk or something? Yeah, or like yeah same thing. In, in a marital dispute or like, I don't know. Like, like... Good rule of thumb, my opinion from infrastructure side is like spend 20% of your week documenting stuff. Yeah. Like wow. as he said, step by step, like even for you, so that you, when you wake up at three in the morning, you're a bit uh, irritated, you can go check the guide, like even you might do a mistake, even you know it, right? So like document it in a way that everyone could uh, follow the guide. This is serious stuff. Oh yeah. We have kind of a, a unique system in this ecosystem. It's the 1KV, the 1000 validators program. This is sort of an on-ramp, right? It, it is. Where people can get to know you guys, get to know who to reach out to, get to know some of the documentation. What does this look like uh, for somebody who just wants to start validating in the ecosystem? How do they join the program? And, and what's the course that program look like? So this was something that started um, Towards the end of like 2019, uh, I was just in kind of like a bunch of matrix chats. And, like Gab just tags me. He's like, "Hey, like you should do this thing and stuff." And firstly, I think it was called like the, I was like Kusama Bootstrap Program or something. And then he was like, "I oh, don't know, it should be like more ambitious. It should be like the thousand dollars program or something." I was like, "Okay, cool." Okay. So he kind of just like outlined just um, some things, which is kind of like, okay. Here's like a few kind of like rules for uh, people should follow to just kind of like be a part of this. Um, what they were kind of like initially was. Uh, some things, but it's just kind of like evolved over time, uh, just as kind of like more people have joined and uh, as kind of like the networks have changed and stuff. But essentially kind of what this is, is just kind of like a sort of like a structured program for um, people to be able to get started, just to be able to join the ecosystem. 
Um, so it's both like um, Parity and Web3, they have a bunch of like KSM and DOT that is going towards uh, like nominating people. And so if like people are just kind of like starting out, like usually kind of the biggest barrier of entry is that like, oh, I don't have like a lot of DOT or I don't have like a lot of KSM. Or it's kind of like, okay, how do I actually convince people to uh, nominate me so that I can get into the, the validator side? Um, and so this is kind of like a way that's kind of like people uh, could start out just kind of like from zero, from scratch, uh, and be able to start to get into the validator set, uh, to be able to like go from there to start to get uh, more like nominations from there to start to build out kind of like their brand, their reputation, their like entity, um, that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, as kind of this is like grown, it's like uh, it's kind of like this automated system where it's kind of like every 24 hours, a um, bunch of these funds will nominate people uh, kind of based on kind of like a, a score. So people kind of get quantified of like their, their validator of sorts. And the way that I'm kind of thinking about this is at the moment, just kind of like um, what factors are like good for the network of things where it's just kind of like, okay, what do we actually want to see out of people actually like running infrastructure of stuff where it's kind of like, yeah. okay, how like decentralized is it? Um, it's like, are they actually kind of like active in stuff? It's like a big factor that I, I kind of think about is like, do they participate in like governance of things? Uh, do they kind of like um, participate in other things? Do they have things kind of like set up in, in good ways and that kind of thing? Hmm. Um, and so ideally for me, it's just kind of like a, a way that's kind of like people can use this like a starting point to get into the ecosystem and then kind of um, go from there to maybe they want to like run more valors, maybe they want to kind of get into development things of stuff. It's like they can use this to like start to build out their kind of like brand and identity of the ecosystem kind of like from there. One KV is why I'm here basically. You can see even three of us are different. We have different ages, like I said, totally. but it's almost like a school. You go in there with the community. So um, you yeah. learn about these things. The information is shared freely. Um, Will is always very helpful and responsive. I'm, I'm not even sure how patient, <laughs> how, how we can remain so patient with oh, yeah, like, yeah. now it's like you, 600. You Candidates? Yeah, maybe. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's 667 wow. last, last time I checked. <laughs> well, you guys aren't still in the program, right? Like, you graduate? No, or you well, are still? we're still in the program. Okay, okay, We're okay. still in the program. You know, <laughs> okay. We are the oldest students. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? The program is great to get bootstrapped, gives you an opportunity yeah. to get into active set. Yeah. And then when you take that uh, opportunity, and you can get independent rather easy in set other way. Like, with the program, you can prove that you can do it and show uh, on-chain metrics and prove it, right? So and you do keep the rewards. And yeah, yeah. There, there's a threshold. Um, okay. 15% on Kusama and 5% um, on Polkadot. That's how much you keep, or? That's no, that's your max commission. commission oh, yeah, I understand. And okay. you keep oh. the commission. You yeah, do. I got you, yeah, yeah. There, there's a reward aspect and a core infrastructure aspect to the program. But I believe that there's an equally um, social aspect to things as well. Mm -hmm. um, there are many friendships that, are, that I have made through the 1KV program. Um, and I think Will does a very good job of steering towards needs of the network. Right, and uh, outside of like the core, well, there's that Hetzner issue, right? You know, we don't want too many validators on Hetzner, which has demonstrated um, an adverse behavior towards blockchains, right? Yeah. But to be fair, they had in their policy. They, they always did, but you know. Um, they still do. They still do, uh -huh. yeah. Right, but they took action, which yeah. I think, you know, um, brought to light the, the issue. Right, so you know, um, Will has put certain disincentives to validators in the program hosting on such a provider. And I think we have come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have. There, there has been a, a drop. Mm -hmm. But um, also, I think one of the, the, the more prominent things that we would see in the ecosystem, a lot of validators participating in governance. 
Yeah. Right? You do get an incentive for participating in governance. The validator mafia. The validator mafia. Yes, we, we've heard. Finger, right? Yeah. How often do you guys meet and uh, scheme no, together? No, we meet we, 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 every Thursday. And, yeah, 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 okay. Great. Who are we going to vote? Nathan, what next? All right. Do you want to go first? Right? Yeah, but um, you would find that a lot of validators are participating in governance. Right. And, um, I think. Prior to the incentive, because I saw, I, I, there were less like about a handful of validators, right? Or I would say generally handful of participants in, in, on governance, yeah. that's one. Mm -hmm. And then governance 2.0, right? OpenGov. So I actually saw that difference, that increase actually started in open um, governance 1.0. There was a sharp increase in participation and that moved across to OpenGov. Yeah. And the OpenGov is supported by participation. So yeah, it, it worked well. Very, very cool. So let's, uh, let's talk about that decentralization piece a little bit more here because most of these validators, you're renting out service space on some sort of centralized server. You're working with Lucky Friday on some bare metal stuff, yes, right? Which yeah. means you so, own the hardware? So Lucky Friday operates out of uh, multiple data centers in the US. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I have rack space that, you know, I, I bought my own servers, like yeah. physically procured. Cool. And there's a guy in the US that will put them in and he puts all the cables in and everything. Um, Beautiful job. I, this, these are the kind of things like you know we show off. Hey, did you see my my server? And look at look how neat my cables look are. How big my rack is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. So we we host on self-owned bare metal, and um, you know if there's the opportunity to offer such to other individuals, you know, um, Lucky Friday is like, you know, almost like very generous in that aspect. You hmm. know, so. If someone says, hey, you know, I like this idea, but, you know, I, I need some help doing it. Yeah, be it knowledge or be it actual um, implementation, Lucky Friday is willing to help out. So. Part of the fun is having your own servers and uh, running them and upgrading them over time. And cool. It's like working on a car, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of like is, that. Yeah. And then, yes, over time you'll have to retire machines and get new ones and you learn about server hardware. And I think we, we had to move from SSDs to NVMEs, like mm -hmm. with the introduction of parachains. Mm -hmm. So you okay. have to be on top of what's happening um, regarding hardware requirements as well, so it's, it's all part of the fun, and uh, I think it's it's great fun to have your own hardware. I would encourage anyone starting out. What's the limitation for a desktop server? Desktop server, I think I think you could do it, but you need like extremely good connection. Yeah, the preferably like thing is like the yeah. biggest thing. So it's yeah, like yeah, if people okay. are running things in their home and stuff, it's kind of like they ideally need like a good connection that's like. Uh, Redundant because it's like you know it's right. like Comcast goes out or something yeah, and you're just like, like yeah. fuck yeah It'll yeah, like, yeah. Uh, what's this? it's like like more than 200 megabits per second now something like that yeah. something like that yeah so, so you, you don't get you, you don't usually get that at home so consumer grade CPUs the new ones are quite like single core performance really good but then if you use that make sure that you have ECC memory yep. otherwise yep. you run a chance of getting <coughs> the DB corrupted of the validator or the node and just like certain and the NVMe is also I've got the tags but they also have certain fault protections inside some of them. They're a bit more costly, but like certain things have to be proper quality to run a validator on. Yeah, I mean, well, some people have been running things like in their like home or more yeah. kind of like, cause like Bruno, for example, from uh, Remark, he, he's been just running kind of nodes like in mm -hmm. their office for forever just cause like he cares a lot about centralization and stuff like that. I do believe that desktops are doing pretty well in terms of a single core compute. Mm -hmm. And we have 
it was something that wasn't popular before, but ECC memory is available. Um, but there are a few other things, like um, there's a lot of high availability with the server chassis itself, right? Um, dual power supplies, um, uh, ensuring that you have two NVMe slots for your storage so you can um, read, right? That's like a redundant hard drive thing. Okay. And um, there's also a module to control your computer even if it's off, called IPMI, right? Mm, that's yeah? one of the most important oh, things. Oh, you need it, you need it. So you remember, you can be at a party with your wife on vacation or just chilling with the, bro with the bros, right? And uh, something can happen and you need to get in and fix it. Right. Right. Oh, my mom turned off my computer, so sorry, Polkadot, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> right? So you need to react. And uh, these server chassis, that, that's the housing, yeah. has um, a lot of these functionality. It's built for purpose. Ah. I think that's how I can, yeah. you know, say it. Love to see that kind of thing. It's like if people are able to do that and have, you know, it's like good internet and that kind of thing, it's like love to see that. Um, but also like another factor of like the, the 1KV stuff is that it's, um, it's part of this kind of like quantifiable kind of stuff sort of um, people's kind of nodes get kind of tracked in terms of like what provider are they on, but also where is like their location, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like if too many people are in the same data center, if they're in kind of like the same region or something like that, they get like a lower score for that. Um, or if they're kind of like in a more uh, unique place, uh, they get like a higher score for that. Sure. So that's just to encourage more people to be able to, you know, not pick the same just like OVH thing in like Germany that literally like everybody else is. In that gotcha. Kind of thing. What are some places on the globe that are uh, maybe in need of some more service. South America, like Africa, places in Asia and stuff. Ah, oh, um, interesting. It's interesting also there's that kind of like this infrastructure builders program thing that is kind of happening as well, which is, um, uh, this was something that um, Tom from Stake Plus, he also kind of started, but the idea there is more so to be able to have kind of um, like a structured way of providing um, infrastructure that's not necessarily like validators, but more things kind of like RPC nodes or just other kind of infrastructure services, but um, be able to have people like own their own hardware in a bunch of these places, but have it be like fairly like geo-redundant in a bunch of places that are like underserved. And so, um, for example, like the Dweller folks, uh, they have a bunch of things in like Africa and like yeah, Tunisia and stuff like that. And they're telling the story this one time of just like how they were setting this up. And it's, you yeah. know, it's kind of like it's you have to like go to these data centers of things like from the airport. Mm -hmm. So like, they get there and there's like no screwdriver that's like, you know, venture out. Yeah. Other places because there's no things there. And did they say they needed like bodyguards as well? Yeah, they yeah. need to like hire like security just to get there because it's kind of like dangerous and stuff like that. And so Damn. it's like, yeah. it's like the like, the like some people go through for this yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. What about the actual rewards from making these blocks? What about the actual incentives? Is it possible to make a living doing this or is it always going to be a hobby? And if so, how? Nice. Yeah, you go. Come on, you go ahead, my friend. Um, for me, um, it's never been about the rewards, but um, for me it's more, more about didn't expect any income at the beginning, but then I learned about uh, the treasury support that you can get from Kusama and Polka Treasuries and then Web3 Foundation grants as well. So um, the way I support myself is more through grants. Uh, so I, um, I basically support my development through with through foundation grants and treasury grants. Is building the software that you were speaking about before? Yeah, it's uh, sub-VT, two bots for Polkadot and Telegram, and then I developed an app as well. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's for iOS and Android is coming as it's well. It's a really beautiful app, everyone, get it? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yes. So those were supported by both mm. Web3 Foundation and Kusama Treasuries. And then um, I'm developing other software. So for me, it's more like, I'm supporting myself through uh, both validator income and software development. 
Interesting. But it's so, your experience with the validators where you know what people need. Yeah, exactly. You know what to build, right? Yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, you are the user yourself. It's the most ideal situation for software development. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. sure. And this is your full-time job? Yeah, I'm doing it 24-7 now. Incredible. Yeah. How about you two? What's your opinion on the matter? Uh, we had a lot of discussions about this. We, yeah. are, we come from a more free market perspective. Like, we personally were, as a, we as MFORC are strongly against like a minimum commission. Like, let the market decide, uh, people running validators. Because if the chain itself plays a central bank, interferes with things, it's like leaves room for people to extract as much value as possible. And like, it, it forces pe people to be as efficient as possible. And then if someone is uh, racing to the bottom thing, it's like basically it was a self-inflicted problem by everyone because everyone wanted to undercut each other. But as part of the game, like increase the uh, reward again, and then you have to, like for example, on Polkadot, we might be a little bit more expensive than others. But like we, we show them on-chain metrics, look, here, this is why you should do stake with us. It doesn't make a difference. You still will earn more rewards, and this is how we handle on-chains. Like, be profitable and then tell people why uh, minimum com or the commission is not the only thing to look for when you select a validator. Yeah, sure, right. Huh? Paradox, you were advocating for a minimum commission. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so what was that about? My perspective is a different. <laughs> well, we have spoken about this multiple yeah, times, yeah. right? And yet we are still here. Yeah, so, one friend, yeah, it's like one. healthy discussion. Yeah, so my, my position is um, to be unstoppable, you also need to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're running at a loss, you're going to eventually um, drop out and the, the independents are the ones who may not have that financial means to continue. But the big guys, they enjoy economy of scale, right? So they may have yeah. one team that operates not only on Kusama, but Polkadot and a whole bunch of other chains, maybe other ecosystems as well. So I am always an advocate for everybody should have an opportunity to stay reasonably profitable but, but we had that like at that time uh, we did, the commission was at three percent it's more than 60 percent of the people running at the minimum with a loss were one kv member and they had the option through the one kv to uh, run the validators with 15 percent commission don't have well, effects 10. like what happened now my opinion is like it's as every time there's a bailout by the government the only the ones actually profit from it are the big guys like now the big guys earn a different uh, way more money and mm. like yeah yeah, well, I, I would push back on that, you know, I'm, sure. us, I'm using young people terms. Um, I have seen since the minimum commission has been implemented um, that there are a lot more independent validators in the set. It has broken up, right? And, uh, you know, that's based on on-chain, that's data, right? And um, those who are receiving funding, right, they can continue receiving funding and not running at a loss. Because right now with the, the market conditions, yeah. you know, 3% would have been like like 0%, right? It would have been so negligible mm. in terms of rewards. Mm. So at least um, validators now have a little something that they can hold on to, to keep the lights on. Interesting. Yeah, but um, I, with that, I don't think a minimum commission should be enriching, right? It shouldn't be that you, at that point where you're making this loads above, what you are expending yeah so yeah honestly i can see both sides of the debate here which is i suppose why it was so interesting will what have you seen uh since the minimum commission came in 
I mean, I think in general, I mean, maybe just taking like a step back and like viewing this from maybe like more like outside perspective, like a lot of people I think like view this thing of like, oh, it's like validators, they're literally just like printing money and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, they must be like super rich and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of like, that's not really the case for most people. It's kind of like um, for running validators and stuff like that, um, staking, unless they have like a shit ton of their own DOT or KSM and stuff like that, it's kind of like, not uh it's not like insanely profitable if profitable at all sort of okay. and so it's like a lot of people are running with like pretty small-ish margins of things um and so for me it's like i would love to see just kind of like a way where it's kind of like um people can be like self-sustainable uh and be able to just at least kind of like have the cost the cost of their infrastructure like covered in some way and so that could either be through mission or just like other say like rebates or something like that where it's just maybe there's kind of like um treasury funds or Otherwise, that kind of just goes to just at least cover the cost of infrastructure so that people aren't running at a loss of some way. Interesting. Um, the whole like minimum commission thing, I don't really have strong opinions on it either way, to be honest. Uh, I think it like over time, at least for like the the one KV stuff, um, have been just like increasing the maximum amount that people can set just to be able to allow people to have the option for things. Uh, so it's like if they don't care as much about trying to like attract other nominees and stuff, if they just want to be kind of like dependent on solely just like parity web3 nominations and stuff like they, they could set the maximum and that might work out well for them and stuff but i think just being able to have people have like the option to choose things that's nice but um in general i think just having a self-sustainable ecosystem like that kind of value i think that's pretty important right so. right it's kind of catching for the uh, bear market conditions as well right hmm. this whole thing yeah no Something I just want to—I I do value what that Tuggy said. Um, when you select a validator, so the whole NPOS thing, the reward aspect of it, is somewhat secondary. Your primary objective is to secure the network, right? So you're you're going to choose validators that you believe will secure the network in in the best manner. Yeah. Right. You, that that's what you're really doing. You're mm. securing the network. Mm. The rewards come as a you know. A, an incentive to do that, right? Um, and one of the things that you need to look at, it, it's not, you should not be too centered on the rewards because a commission, unless it's like a gross, like from zero to 20, it's not going to be adversely affected in your APY, right? But if, if that actor is offline, or if that actor gets slashed, then you may see a bigger effect. So your focus should be on, um, it's just a suggestion, ensuring that the validators you select can secure the network in the best possible manner and everything else um, kind of falls in place. Well, something I've noticed, uh, especially in the last year or so, a lot of validators really developing their personal brand. Yeah. Also, some going and doing kind of community outreach. Um, what, what do you guys think about that and, and that pressure to market yourselves? I think um, a lot of the things that I've seen, at least kind of, uh, was looking at other ecosystems initially where it's like, okay, it's say like Cosmos or other chains where it's kind of like, uh, in those ecosystems especially, it's kind of like because a lot of your rewards are directly proportional to how many people like delegate to you, um, you need to be able to kind of like build out your brand and reputation like a lot more. And so kind of like going into things, it's like when Kusama launched and when like Polkadot launched and that kind of thing, I think it was like um, what we were sort of expecting people was to do kind of similar things of, okay, I'm gonna build out this brand, this reputation. Um, but a lot of people that kind of joined in, especially early on, were a lot more just like individuals. It was like maybe like devs, maybe tinkerers, like hobbyists, 
over time, I, I, we've seen this kind of like more at least, but I remember just like writing this guide on the Pokedot Wiki of just like, oh, it's like how to attract nominations or something like this. And it was kind of just talking about, it's like, yeah, you need to kind of like build out your brand, your identity, because it's like ideally people that nominate you, it's like ideally they, they're trusting you with kind of like the, the network and um, yeah, yeah. they don't want to say probably nominate just some random anonymous address that you don't know if they're you don't know how to trust them if it's like okay are they gonna be offline like are they gonna give me rewards uh that sort of stuff and so uh I, I like to see this more as kind of like people have kind of like grown it's like now especially with um a lot more of the governance stuff to be able to now have kind of like um uh, almost kind of like a reputation of like, okay, here's kind of like maybe the other ways that I contribute to the network of um, via like their voice, their like political opinion in some way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or just by building out other cool products and services like uh, like subvt things or uh, a lot of just the other awesome services that people are providing. From day one, I thought like if I build useful software, if I help the community uh, solve their issues, and if I can make my way from the validator tooling to actually like end user software products then that's going to support my validator business as well. Yeah. So for me, it's, they're always like hand in hand, like, mm -hmm. uh, like Will said. For me, it's always like build good software and solve real issues. And then, um, then the validator business is going to uh, grow as a, almost like, a, I, I, I wouldn't want to say side product, but hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like that. On, on my side, I, I just love the tech so much that I'm tweeting, I'm helping out people. So I'm just all over the place, right? And um, I think that somewhat helped the brand, right? So I, I just put like Paradox and I put a, um, a pipe, right? And then I put paranodes.io. So people kind of associate, uh, anytime they see me, they associate with the brand. Um, it wasn't done intentionally. It was just done like, okay, that this happened like months or maybe a year after I said, okay, maybe this might be a good idea. Mm -hmm. So yeah, people know. Remember your first videos, right? Oh, yes, yeah, I did videos. videos. Yes, yeah, yes. Right? yeah um, a lot of people, a lot of validators um, onboarding used it. Um, I actually um, also contributed significantly to the wiki. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Twitter guy. Tweeting. Huge, huge community work. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and my views on, on governance are not always popular, but I own it. Right. <laughs> I own it. Neither are mine. <laughs> no, neither are yours, yeah. <laughs> I guess on our end, like company-wise, since we're focused on the infrastructure part, we like do more professional, like the marketing, more focus on more like what makes us different and why people should trust us with staking. Like we, we leverage that part and do also demo cases with people, show them like how fast we can react and that kind of thing. On my personal Twitter, it's just having fun and shit posting. And yeah. It's been very good lately. I mean, you've really you've kind of taken over my timeline, actually. It's been quite nice. Good. Yeah. Do you mostly go after people with looking to stake larger amounts? Uh, both. I mean, of course, okay. the public one, they also do the uh, private setup. So, like, we talk to both sides. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I think just to wrap it up, it'd be nice to know, because you guys can use these skills. You can deploy them to any blockchain network in the world, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or learn to at least. Yes, yes, yes. What keeps you guys focusing so much on this ecosystem? And if you have any experience in other ecosystems, yeah. how does it compare? If I start, like I did the other way around. In my previous job, I was doing uh, infrastructure and security for a crypto broker, and I was running uh, responsible for multiple uh, blockchains there. Yeah. And that was the reason why we when co-founded our co-founded M4. We decided to focus only on Polkadot, Polkadot ecosystem. <laughs> Broad was like, uh, instead of being good at everything, we want to be the best at something. And Polkadot was doing everything right from the beginning with yeah. like runtime upgrades and like the old legal aspects that's been take, uh, that has been worked on and 
other chains, like there are good, good other ones, like for example, Tesla's one of the, the first, I think was the first one for proof of stake. Like they were good in the beginning, but somewhere along the way, something mm -hmm. went wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. Was used to be a big fan. Cool. How about you? Uh, I started on Polkadot actually, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, uh, true, Lucky Friday has um, a, a wide span. Cosmos, Ethereum, um, Solana at one point, you know, so <laughs> the, the, it, it just goes on. And uh, when I interact with some of these, I'm like, why don't they do like Polkadot, right? Now, Ethereum, ah. Ethereum is pretty easy to set up, right? And maintain and all of those sort of things. but you need to have that minimum, right? If you want to do native, yeah. right? Um, it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, right? Good thing is that once you meet that requirement, you're in, right? NPOS makes things a little, um, a little difficult because you, need, you don't exactly know how much nominations you need to mm. get into the active set, right? But that system allows for fair opportunity to get in. You don't need your own um, KSM to get into the active set. So mm. you can get a lot of people to put up and help you and support you. And uh, I, I think that's good. Yeah, also like on that part, like many people don't appreciate it much, but like being able to run non-custodial staking saves so much uh, mm -hmm. problems. Like you, you don't need to be licensed or uh, you don't need to be like, if you would have to do it custodial for someone, like in most countries, you need a certain kind of license to do that. So basically only big operators are, are capable of doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got it. Before I was introduced to Polkadot and Kusama, I uh, started running a, an ETH2, now ETH yeah. validator. So um, I've been doing that, but um, once, I, once I got to know more about Kusama and Polkadot, it just grew up on me and I think leadership is very important as well so we all look up to Gavin I think as developers uh, and he's the guy who developed the first Ethereum uh, release as well. I think Will sets a great example as well so, and, and the community as well it just feels just right for me as a developer. I just feel like I belong to this community and um, that feeling is not there for me for Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, I, I did compare these, and I, I, I was about to make a choice. Should I like devote more time on Ethereum or Polkadot? And it just felt more developer-focused, uh, more community-focused, and um, just felt better. Echo the sentiment a hundred times. <laughs> it's beautifully put, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't want to discount, you know, there are other people building good things, and, you know, they are maybe taking some from Polkadot. Maybe Polkadot could benefit from their research as well. Mm. You know, so we, I, I think keeping an open mind in general um, is a good thing and um, keep it open source. And, uh, you know, we can all um, rise with the tide. Yeah, right. Will, you proud of these guys? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Like for me, it's like I also have my hands in kind of like a bunch of other kind of like networks and just other infrastructure things here and there. Mm. But um, I don't know, for me, Polkadot though, it's like, a lot of the, like the tech kind of keeps keep me coming back. Like a lot of the, there's all these cool new features that are just like continuously launching, uh, almost at a pace that's like too fast to be honest. But um, but yeah, like the community also keeps me coming back. It's just like so awesome to see uh, a lot of beautiful individuals such as yourselves. Uh, it's uh, yeah, pretty fulfilling. So. Yeah, well, I want to thank you all for taking the time to be on the show today and giving us a little peek behind the curtain here. Thanks, really grateful for all the work you do and for keeping these uh, blocks unstoppable. Uh, we, we really owe you everything, so thank you. Thanks, Jake. Thank you.